Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are with uh, the one and only Yossi Kleine-Levy, profound author, uh, fellow at the Shalom Hartman Institute, and uh, really a voice bridging Israel and the diaspora. Uh, welcome. It's good to see you. Thank you. It's wonderful to be with you. Uh, you recently wrote an article to Israel's friends, a letter, if I may say, to Israel's friends in uh, the diaspora, saying that now is the time to speak up about the situation in Israel, which is uh, definitely concerning in, in, in different ways. Uh, and I guess my question to you is, is a, based a bit on a story. Uh, in, I don't know if it was 2004, 2006, I was in New York, and there were people organizing protests against the Gaza disengagement in front of the Israeli consulate. Even though I was against the Gaza disengagement, I didn't go because I didn't feel it's the place, uh, my place, as someone not living in Israel, to influence Israeli decision making. Why do you think this time is different? Well, first of all, I don't, I don't think that time was different either. I think that those who felt so strongly uh, that the disengagement would be a, a mortal blow to Zionism, to Israel, uh, had the not just the right, but the responsibility to demonstrate, even if you happen to be living in Teaneck instead of, uh, instead of Jerusalem. And, um, and I, I believe that, that if we take the idea that Israel really belongs to the Jewish people seriously, then that means that we don't only have to put up with diaspora criticism, whether it comes from the left, the right, or the center, but uh, we should be welcoming diaspora mm -hmm. criticism. Not, well, look, I, that, everything has to be qualified, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, there's, there's diaspora criticism, and then there's, there's relentless, uh, I would almost say, uh, a kind of a viciousness that mm -hmm. comes, uh, we, we've seen it uh, mostly on the left uh, mm -hmm. in recent years. And I certainly don't welcome criticism that comes from a place of alienation and, uh, and mm -hmm. even hatred. But criticism that comes from love, from a sense of having a deep stake in the future of Israel, I personally mm -hmm. welcome that from, from whatever side it comes from. And, um, you know, look, Israel belongs to, to its citizens, first of all. And when I say its citizens, I mean its Jewish citizens and its non-Jewish citizens. Those who vote in elections determine Israeli policy. But Israel functions on two levels. We are the state of all of our citizens, but we're also the state of the Jewish people. And I would say that being the state of the Jewish people is our first identity. The state of all of our citizens is the second identity. Mm -hmm. And the priorities have to be clear. Israel is a Jewish state, and then it is a democratic state. A close second, but it is a, but those are the, that's the hierarchy of, uh, of, of my values, and I think of the values of most Jewish Israelis. What that means then, if we're serious about Israel as the state of the Jewish people, it's not just a slogan. And it's not just we come to the diaspora when, when we need you. Mm -hmm. We also have a responsibility to listen to the diaspora. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to express itself. Diaspora concerns don't necessarily have to express themselves in demonstrations outside the Israeli consulate. It can happen behind closed doors. It can mm -hmm. happen with American Jewish leaders telling Israeli leaders, our communities are deeply worried about 
the future mm -hmm. of whatever the policy is. And that's, again, that has to be part of, of the relationship. It's artificial. It's not going to stand mm -hmm. to, to expect this to simply be one way. You and the diaspora shut up. And your only your only job is to support whatever Israeli government is. I mean, there are definitely voices like that, uh, more on the Israeli side of the political spectrum of, uh, you know, the, the, Isra the diaspora shouldn't have anything to say. But is this a message that you also would uh, uh, push with uh, people like uh, uh, Peter Beinar, Jeremy Benami, Thomas Friedman, who feel like they're doing exactly what you're saying? I make a distinction between uh, the first name you mentioned and um, and Friedman and uh, and who is and uh, Jeremy Benami of J Street, uh, Peter Beinart, well, and well, even anyone, if not now, anyone if not now is is again belongs to the Beinart camp. The the line mm -hmm. for me, and it's an important line, and not everyone makes that distinction either on the left or the right. Mm -hmm. And that distinction is: Do you accept the legitimacy of a Jewish state? Mm -hmm. uh, J Street says they do, if not now, says they don't. Mm -hmm. um, or they're neutral on the issue. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. there's, no, there's no neutral on issues mm -hmm. on Israel as a Jewish state. Uh, Friedman accepts Israel's, Israel's mm -hmm. right to define itself as a Jewish state. Uh, Beinart does not. They don't mm -hmm. belong in the same camp. And, and the dividing line for me is... Um, is are you ready to accept Israel's legitimacy as a Jewish state? And I, I don't think that the right does us any favors by obscuring that line. That should be a bright red line. And anyone who is, who is in principle for a Jewish state, I may not like their politics. Mm -hmm. I don't, I, I don't, uh, I find myself far more in disagreement with J Street than I do in, in agreement. Mm -hmm. But they're part. They're inside my tent. I wouldn't mm -hmm. put them out of the tent. Mm -hmm. uh, I I was vehemently against J Street's position on Iran. I was I I, I spent months working with APAC, writing, uh, mm -hmm. trying to stop the JCPOA, and and J Street was, um, to my mind, very much on the wrong side of that issue. Mm -hmm. But afterwards, okay, you know, we're, uh, we're still in conversation. And there's something deeply disturbing about the ease with which some Jews are prepared to exclude whole parts of the Jewish people with whom they disagree. You know what, I, the, the way I phrase it is, how many Jews do you have to be against in your own Jewish people to be called... <laughs> an anti-Semite yourself. I mean, what's the number? Because there are people, you know, this guy is terrible. This guy's an anti, this Jew is an anti-Semite. That's That Jew is an anti-Semite. And then you ask, at what point are you an anti-Semite since you've been calling the rest of us that? You know, El Khanab, it's, it's, when we talk about Avat Yisrael, what do we mean? Do we mean love of the Jewish people indiscriminately? Or do we mean I love those Jewish people who look like me? When I look in the mirror, I see them. That's not Ahavat Yisrael. That's Ahavat That's self-love. Ahavat Yisrael's, the great test for Ahavat Yisrael is, what do I do with those Jews with whom I passionately disagree? Now, as an Israeli, I have a very long list of Jews, whole, 
whole communities, whole ideologies with whom I deeply disagree. But my test of Avat Yisrael is how I relate to them, not how I relate to those in my own camp. Mm -hmm. So I think that we really need to reaffirm Avat Yisrael in its deepest and broadest sense. Mm -hmm. And so what is it that you would say to Jews in the diaspora? Uh, what's your message? What should they be doing? Uh, and by the way, I'll just uh, fill you in. I, I, I try as much as I can to leave Israeli politics to Israelis. Uh, I was sitting on Shabbat with uh, someone who's been a Likud uh, a diaspora, Likud member for 30 years uh, and is uh, very big in the financial world. And I said, you know, there's this warning from J.P. Morgan, uh, also in New York, uh, saying that Israel's economy will crash. Is it real? And he said it is 100% real. So at this point, I think you're right that, uh, you know, anyone who cares about Israel and not wanting to see it completely uh, economically implode, uh, this is a good time. But but what would be the and message? socially, socially implode. We are on the verge, God forbid, of an explosion that we haven't experienced since the months before the, uh, the Rabin assassination through the, through the Oslo process. And for me, this is the right equivalent of the Oslo process. The Oslo process was forced on the right by, by the left in an anti-democratic way. The, the, the left manipulated a very artificial um, parliamentary majority through, through bribes, and, uh, yeah. and, 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 and other means. And, and now what I see happening with the right is that they're doing something similar. Now it's true this government was democratically elected. It had its legitimate majority, but it, did, it was not elected despite what Netanyahu claims now to impose this far reaching judicial agenda. At no time did Netanyahu or anyone else in his party present the plan to the Israeli public. No one told the public, this is what we're going to do a month after we come into power. They obviously had this plan all laid out. Mm -hmm. And just if you can outline for the, for the ignorant among us, what the plan, br briefly speaking, how would it uh, alter Israeli democracy? The plan would grant an override to the Knesset uh, with a simple parliamentary majority for any Supreme Court decision. Now, supporters of the government say Canada has an override and there are other countries that have overrides. Yes, that's true. And there does need to be some parliamentary override in Israel. Judicial activism in Israel went too far. There needs to be reform, but reform is not revolution. And what this government is, is, is proposing is a revolution without the built-in checks and balances that exist in Canada, in the US, in England. So when the government supporters point to the American system and say, look, you know, uh, the president appoints judges or Supreme Court mm -hmm. judges. Why shouldn't we in Israel have the same system? Yes, but in the US, you have a constitution. You have two houses of, uh, of two legislators, legislate, le legislative houses. And you have states. There's, there's, there's states' rights. There's, there's, there's a developed system the only counterbalance to unlimited power on the part of the prime minister is the Supreme Court. If you give the prime minister who controls parliament, because it's a part, it's, we only have one house, he controls parliament. If you give him 
all of the power over the Supreme Court. He controls all three branches of government. Where's the checks and balances? How do you compare that to any other democracy? And so I listened to the defenders of, of this plan and I said, you know, a little bit of, 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 of honesty, some straight talk here. Don't try to, to, to sell us on comparisons that are not relevant to the Israeli situation. Let's talk about serious judicial reform. Let's talk about reigning in the powers of the Supreme Court. I'm with you, but up to a point, not to the point, not past the point where you start emptying out the court of any significant ability to counter the power of the prime minister. Mm -hmm. And and that's an excellent point. What would you like, though, to see American Jews doing? So, of course, we know they've been concerned. We know that also uh, the Israeli Jewish community and the American Jewish community are not always on the same uh, wavelength. Uh, what would you like to see uh, uh, Jews, Jews doing? Obviously, you wouldn't want them to say, OK, otherwise we don't support the state of Israel. No, of course not. And God forbid uh, to threaten boycotts. Uh, that's not how Jews should be speaking to each other under, under almost any circumstances. Uh, boycotts lead to, to schism, irreparable schism. If, if I'm boycotting whole groups of the Jewish people, then, then I'm, I'm, I'm heading toward the creation of two peoples, two separate peoples, God forbid. What I would like to see, first of all, are diaspora Jews taking seriously what's happening in Israel reading, read both sides, get to listen to both sides, whatever, whatever your ideological position is, be open to the other camp, become knowledgeable about the position that you disagree with. And that, I think that that's a rule of thumb generally in how Jews should be relating to each other. We need to understand the other's arguments. I know my arguments. I'm not interested in just hearing and reading my arguments. And so that's first of all. Secondly, if you come to the conclusion, as so many of us in Israel have, that this is a critical moment for the future of Israeli democracy, Israeli society, the Israeli economy, then American Jews need to think among themselves, what do you do? And what I would like to see is first of all, when American Jewish leaders meet with Israeli government ministers behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. Those meetings should not be polite. American are they, Jews, but are they ever? Is yeah, they they, yeah, yeah. I mean, Israeli, Israeli ministers uh, throw around slogans about Jewish solidarity and mm -hmm. uh, your support for Israel. And, and, and uh, yes, they, they're, they're, they're mm -hmm. far more polite than certainly than they should be at this, at this moment. And uh, I would like to see American Jewish leaders deliver the message that their constituents are extremely concerned mm -hmm. about where this government is taking us. Let me say a word about this government. Not only is it proposing the most far-reaching judicial changes that any government in Israel, in the history of Israel, has ever proposed, but this is a government headed by a prime minister who's on trial for three counts of corruption. Now, innocent until proven guilty, but how do you give this prime minister the right to transform the legal system, 
to the point where he is then going to be able to, in potential, appoint the judges who may be sitting on his case. What is this? Is this, is, is this judicial reform? To my mind, it's a collapse of any serious norms of, of restraint, of, uh, of respect for democratic procedure. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, because I know you're tight on time, a question uh, about this relationship between Israel and the diaspora. What is Israel's responsibility to diaspora Jews? I, I've spoken recently a lot about the fact that uh, Israel's campaign for Aliyah in the general Jewish community is not great. Uh, we've heard Ron Dermer's very, uh, 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 I guess, uh, devastating words. It's I call it the Dermer Doctrine of uh, swapping uh, American Jews for evangelicals. Uh, in what sense is Israel responsible for diaspora Jews? And do Israelis uh, see any kind of responsibility, especially now that they're becoming the largest Jewish community in the world? Look, if we are again, serious about Israel as a Jewish state, as the state of the Jewish people, then you can't exchange parts of the Jewish people for the evangelicals. The evangelicals, and I appreciate their support. I'm deeply grateful for their support. But they, many, myself including, would say that the Dermer doctrine has been to exchange American Jews for... Uh, yes, yes. And um, to my mind, that's an anti-Zionist doctrine. Mm-hmm. If Zionism is, is, is the, the embrace of the Jewish people, unconditionally, there are 14 million of us. We have a very good expression in Hebrew, zemayesh. That's what is. I'm stuck, look, I'm stuck with parts of the Jewish people whose, whose ideology, whose, whose, the way they practice their, 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 express their Judaism, their Israeliness, drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. That's true for all of us. So we have one of two options. We're either going to write off whole parts of the Jewish people, and that seems to be where many of us are heading. God forbid, but I think that is where a large part of the Jewish people is heading, is writing each other out of the story. Uh, you're not real Jews. You're not good Jews. I prefer the evangelicals. I, I, or we say, okay, I'm stuck with 14 million Jews. That's all, that's what I've got. And I'm going to hold on for dear life to every one of them as as hard as I can. Those who drift away, those who turn against Israel, who turn against the Jewish people, what can I do? Okay, but I'm not giving up from my end. I'm I'm not giving up any Jew. Thank you. A bit of a personal question. I know you don't speak for all Anglo-Jews in Israel. Uh, This is my impression. Uh, French Jews in Israel elect Knesset members and lobby for Jews in France. Russian and Ukrainian Jews in Israel uh, push heavily for the rights of Olim uh, from uh, the former Soviet Union. Uh, Anglos in Israel, my impression, are not fans of their brethren that they left behind. Uh, is that true or possible? Is that a right impression? Well, I can only speak for myself. I am, and I've been intimately involved with the community that raised me, and which I left 40 years ago, but didn't leave behind. Uh, I'm one of those Israelis who's constantly on the Ben-Gurion JFK line, and I've mm-hmm. been writing for the community that in which I grew up. 
Uh, I've, been, I've been writing about Israel for 40 years for American Jews. I've been lecturing all these years. And um, this community has been very good to me. And I think that it is one of the underappreciated resources that the Jewish people have. We often take American Jewry for granted. Is that a... Is that a true impression, though? You, you see the uh, Ethiopian uh, minister, Penina Tamano Shata, worked a, a great deal on bringing Ethiopian Jews. Uh, everyone's advocating for their community. And yet, sometimes when I advocate for more Aliyah, for when during COVID, when, when things were closed up, uh, it sometimes seems like the American Jews are actually happy to not let their uh, former liberal neighbors into the country. Well, it's interesting because I think that uh, we're... we're, we're as small an aliyah, as small as a community as we are, we're extremely diverse, uh, diverse politically as well, and, and religiously. And Americans tend to be anarchic, you know, we, we tend to be extreme individualists. And maybe that's part of the reason. Uh, we also find our own frameworks uh, with which to, exp to express our Israeli commitments uh, that are not in an Israeli, in, in an American Israeli framework. Uh, one, one interesting exception uh, really is Nefesh Benefesh, which is, yeah. I think, the most successful um, immigrant absorption mm -hmm. uh, organization that any community of Olim have created. Mm -hmm. And that's an American creation that we can wow. be proud of. All right, Yossi Klein Alevi, uh, you are a great voice and a, an extraordinary bridge uh, bringing together many different groups, but uh, also Israel and the diaspora. Uh, thank you for your good work and uh, really uh, keep it up. Uh, uh, thank you. Much appreciated. Cool thank you. Thanks. Thank you.